Hey, this is Brian Golden, lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I also really want to thank you for taking the time to listen. And I want to let you know that now you can watch these messages as well, anytime and anywhere. And the easiest way to do that is on the Centerpoint Church app. In addition to that, the Centerpoint app is also the easiest way to stay connected with what's happening at Centerpoint. So go to your favorite app store, search Centerpoint Church Florida, and you'll find it right there. Most importantly, I really want to say if you're a longtime follower of Jesus, or maybe you're just investigating who Jesus is, I really hope this message encourages you to take your next step in your journey of faith or in your journey of investigating faith. Thanks again for listening. All right, we good at the 1045? Despite the rain, we ready to go? Dive into part two. Uh, real quick, we're going to keep telling you about it every week, uh, a couple weeks away, hard to believe, uh, Christmas Eve in Brandon. We're going to have eight services for Christmas Eve over two days, December 23rd and 24th, and all of those services will be exactly the same music. Uh, I'll be preaching at all of them, and so we need you to go to christmaseveinbrandon.org because this really is an experience for the entire city, and register your visit, whether you've been here a week or a year or five years, doesn't matter, um, because we will have at capacity services in multiple services. And we've already had more response uh, weeks away than we've ever had before. And every year, um, every time we have a big service, Easter, Christmas Eve, we grow um, in terms of the previous year's total by at least several hundred people. And so our response so far has been incredible. So we need you to do that. Go to christmaseveinbrandon.org. And then the second thing is just share it. As you go out today, you're gonna get um, one of these cards right here. Uh, we have a limited amount of them, and I'll tell you why. We have a ton of invite cards, but these are like special invite cards, um, anointed and prayed over. Um, and I'm kidding, that sounds so weird if you think you're at that church. That's not what we do with these. Um, it's special because you get free Starbucks. And so on the back... There is um, this little code here that you can scan and it leads you to a page on your phone or whatever and it prompts you to register your visit and then when you do, it sends you um, free Starbucks gift cards. So this is for all of you to take, um, not to be shady and try to create an alias and get free Starbucks gift cards. Um, we see you, Jesus sees you, um, but... <laughs> to grab this and invite a friend. And it's like the easiest invite ever. We always talk about 30 seconds of courage. You don't even need 30 seconds of courage. Like it's free stuff. And so grab those, give them out. And seriously, here's what we believe as a church. Maybe this is different what you grew up with. And that is that your relationship with God, the measure of your relationship with God has nothing to do with what you do for God. It has everything to do with what you do for other people. And we've received by faith, if you've trusted Christ, this incredible salvation and hope that we cannot keep to ourselves. We gotta give it away. And there's no better season than this. And here's what we believe is that the church is the hope of the world. And there's a lot of ways to connect people to the hope in Jesus, but this is one of the greatest ways. And what you should know is at Christmas Eve, more people, even than Easter, show up that have been disconnected from church or don't even believe. And sometimes they don't even know they're searching. And it's that moment and it's your 30 seconds of courage that connects them to truth and leads them to faith in Jesus. One of my favorite stories is um, this past year or so, a lady was invited and she came to one of those services and she had been away from the church for several decades and she came and like is the case so many times because of what you guys do, she had the church kind of redefined. She had never seen this before. It connected in a way she had never experienced. And at the end of one of those services, she placed her faith and trust in Christ, which was huge. 
But then what was amazing is that later on she walked out of there and she had three elementary kids that had never been to church before. And after a conversation with them had realized that during that service, they had heard this message that they had never heard before. They understood it and they placed their faith and trust in Christ. And God saved an entire family because somebody had 30 seconds of courage to go, hey, you just wanna come check this out? And so you have no idea what hangs in the balance. So let's serve. If you're not serving somewhere, if you're a Jesus follower, um, not compelled by obligation, but grace, you got no choice, man. We need to give our lives away and we're a church for the city. Anybody besides the four amens agree with me? So let's stand real quick. Um, I wanna pray for Anna and her husband as they head off to Hawaii. Um, Thankful for his service. That's not a bad gig in Hawaii though. Um, And just so thankful for what God has done in her heart. She represents um, so many stories in terms of what Jesus is doing. And let's pray for what God's about to do um, over these next couple weeks and what he's able to do in these next couple minutes. Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for Anna. We thank you for her journey of coming to know you as her personal savior. And it's been amazing to, in some way, personally be connected with that over these uh, few months. And I just thank you for what you've done in her heart, her life, and what you're gonna continue to do through their family. And uh, I pray that as they move to the other side of the world, they would be an incredible light for you and for what you've done and are doing. And Lord, I pray that for us right now. I pray even today as we walk out of here and receive these invites that um, it would be so much more than a card in our hands. It really would be an invitation that could change somebody's destiny. Help us to be bold as a church. Help us to not just receive what's coming to us, but help it to flow through us. And I pray that hundreds would come to know Jesus Christ as Savior, even over these Christmas Eve services and begin to grow in a relationship with you. And we thank you so much that you've done that in so many of our hearts. You're doing it week after week here um, through this gathering. And we look forward to what you're gonna continue to do. And I ask that God, you wouldn't start in a couple weeks that you'd bring your power today, even over these next couple moments. And we ask this in Jesus' incredible name, amen. You can be seated. So the other day, my wife comes to me after she had gotten home from shopping and she went to Walmart to get like orange juice. We came back with 17 bags, something. Thought we were done with Christmas, but there's more Christmas to be had apparently. And so she came home with the bags and it's like chaotic. We have three toddlers. So when she's coming in the door and getting groceries out and she was on the phone with her dad, it's just, like, it's just chaos. And um, we have this little cat that we got a few months ago. And every time you open the garage door, that cat tries to find the smallest seam and then run away. It's, it's why I've hated cats. Um, that's part of the reason. And so cat tries to get away. And so several hours later, she's like, have you seen the cat? And I'm like, no, I haven't seen the cat. And she proceeds to tell me that those several two and a half hours earlier when all that chaos ensued, she never checked to see if the cat had gotten out. And the cat gets out every single time without fail. So unless you're aware and go get the cat, the cat you know, is living somewhere in the neighborhood and doing who knows what. And so two and a half hours later, she said, have you seen the cat? And I'm like, no. And she's like, I, I think he probably got out and I never went to look for him. And, and I'm like, are you, are you serious? And you know, when you get in those situations where like someone needs to be blamed for what's going on? <laughs> Liars um, in church. 
No, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So like I was in one of those moods where just somebody needed to take the fall for this. Like somebody needed to be blamed. And so we immediately go out. We're looking for this cat. Um, we're doing stupid, embarrassing stuff, like shaking little treats around the neighborhood. Hope he's gonna pop out. We got all the neighbors involved, all for this little cat. And I'm just getting more upset by the moment. And I'm kind of disguising uh, my concern for the cat with concern for everybody else. But I just, somebody had to, somebody had to take responsibility somebody needed to be blamed. So I just started laying it on like, um, hey, um, Huck, our little dog that we got about eight months ago, it looks like he's lost his best friend. And then I just kept on, like I didn't stop there. Um, so little Braxton, our two-year-old, like his favorite thing to like sit and hug the cat and like it really is like his best friend. So I'm like, are you, are you gonna tell Braxton in the morning that you lost the cat? And I'm not saying this is one of my better moments, okay? So it's like, there's always vulnerability when I sit up here and tell you my stuff. I'm usually better than this. Our marriage is usually better than this, but it wasn't in this moment. And, um, I, and here's the thing about the cat, man. Eight months ago, if you would have told me the cat got out and, and ran away, it would have taken me all of three seconds to respond. It's a cat. Like, who cares? But like that like, and I still don't, it's kind of feels like the death of a season because I've spent years making fun of cats and even using them as punchlines and messages. So I still don't think I love cats, but that little, that cat is, is a special cat. And so, um, so then I, I go to bed and I'm still not done where I'm like, you, and again, this is not my finest moment, all right? Um, but you better hope that cat comes home. Like, what am I, in the mafia or something? And she's like, you better hope you're not sleeping outside tonight with the cat if you don't. And then the last thing, you think that would be enough. And my final right jab right before we go to bed is not, I need to not let the sun go down on my wrath. No, it was, this is gonna ruin Christmas for our family. No, no, stop judging me. Like if you got up here and told your stories, you have stories. And so like that was, that, that was how it ended. Uh, the amazing news is we did find the cat the next morning he wandered back in. Yeah, you can give it up for the cat, for Bear. And um, we scheduled another counseling appointment for our marriage, and so things are gonna be good. But here's, here's really my point, and we kind of said this last week, like the expectations of Christmas can be so high that like it's a big deal if we lose our cat. I mean, it is now. Um, but it's even a bigger deal because of the season because you have all these expectations. I'm like, okay, it's one thing to lose a cat, but to lose the cat at Christmas, it's gonna ruin Christmas. And we have all of these like heightened expectations kind of the season. And what we said last week is actually this season that is supposed to be like the most wonderful time of year can kind of highlight what's not right. And it can exaggerate everything that's going on. And there can be all kind of pressure and, and all kind of craziness. And um, I think that's true for a lot of us. And so in this, in this series, we're talking about our past or the ghosts of our past. And one of the weird things is at Christmas, at this season, it can be one of the times that you struggle with it the most. Do anybody know what I'm talking about? Or you maybe know somebody where, where all of a sudden these things that, that you've been carrying, you're, you're almost more reminded of them. And it is a great season, but it can be a tough season. And like, as we said, some of those ghosts are, are people and they're showing up at your Christmas dinner. You can't ignore them anymore. You know, it's like you're just confronted with some different kind of scenarios, some things about, you know, you're shuffling kids back and forth or some stuff that hasn't gone down right over the last year. And so it's just a weird time. And, and so as we're talking about the ghosts of our past, this is really an, 
appropriate time, I think, to talk about it. And here's the thing that we, we kind of looked at last week that I, I wanna come back to again is that, that no matter how far away your past is, eventually it's gonna become your present and eventually it's gonna influence your future. Like that's just fact, right? Are you gonna help me at the 1045? Yeah, talk back, all right? Um, it, it just does and it's gonna, it's gonna influence in one of two ways. It's gonna influence by controlling your present or it's gonna inform your present. And here's how generally our past controls our present, one of two ways, because we haven't dealt with it or because we identify with it. And we identify with it through what I would describe as labels. Like we just start living under labels where the past isn't the past at all. And maybe you've even gone back and tried to deal with it as we've talked about last week, but you're still carrying the residual from that. And you're living under this label because of what's happened, what's happened to you, what's happened around you, what happened a generation or two before you. And you're just living under the label of, I'm dysfunctional, I'm stupid, I'm insecure, I'm worthless, I'm an addict, I'm unfaithful, I'm divorced, my personality's too much, I'm not enough. I mean, whatever it is, but you start living under a label. And here's what I wanna tell you today, and I'm gonna dive in to the text is, you really do, and maybe you haven't thought about this before, you get to decide what label you're gonna carry. We think it's kind of um, prescribed for us, but you get to decide. And what, what has happened to you is, is not you. A lot of times there's this shift that happens that all of a sudden um, something that happens becomes who I am and you get to decide of whether you are gonna continue to carry that forward or not. And here's what you need to know and, and many of you know it intellectually, but what is true, because the label that you're carrying might be true. Like it happened, you did it. it this, is, this is your family history, whatever it is. But, but what's true is not you. What you did is not who you are. What happened to you is not who you are. And for a lot of us, we are limiting God because of our labels. Not because God's limited by the label, but because we have decided to limit God because of the label that we are carrying. And you get to decide whether you're gonna continue to carry that or whether you're gonna trade it in for a different label. But I'm telling you, you get the opportunity to decide. And here's the bottom line. Here's what we believe as Jesus followers. Here's what we're founded on. This is kind of the whole scripture. The only one that has the right to label you is the manufacturer. The only one who has the right to label you is the manufacturer. The one who created you, the one who sustained you, the one who is in your circumstances, knows what happened, knows where you're going. He is the only one that has the ability and the authority to label you, label what's happened to you, and label even the circumstances that you're walking through right now where your idea of what's happening is at odds with what God says is happening and you get to decide what you're gonna do. Are you gonna allow the label to keep keeping you from and causing you to do some things that are outside of what God has for your life? Or are you gonna make the decision that there is a different label, God sees something different and I'm gonna stop leaning into what I see and I'm gonna lean into what he says. You get to decide. Anybody believe that in the house? So the nation of Israel, um, they had labeled themselves. We, we started this story last week where God had given them a promise that I'm gonna give you this land known as the promised land and I'm gonna give you victory over your enemies and I'm gonna give you peace. 
And they walked into the land and they came out with their own labels. And their labels were, the giants in those lands are too big, the armies are too strong, the enemies and really what became representative of their ghosts are too big and we're too weak. We're like grasshoppers in comparison. We don't have what it takes. There's no way we can do this. So we know God's promised it to us, but we just don't see it with what we're looking at, with who they are and who we are. And so the nation of Israel gets to the edge of the Jordan River and they stop short and they don't go into the promise and into the land and they live and hang out in the desert for decades, far from where God wanted them and far from what God had for them. And, and the idea is that their promise from God was a shadow promise to us that, that I am going to send a Messiah that's gonna make a similar promise, but my promise is gonna involve the reality that you can have peace for your past. Because here's the thing, the promise that Israel had received about going into this land and God raising up a nation and birthing a Messiah, that promise ended up representing their past. It was all the ghosts that now they carried with decades of giving God the finger figuratively and resisting God and not trusting God. And so God's like, you gotta go back, you gotta confront, you gotta fight, you gotta face it down. And I'm telling you, I promised that I'm gonna give you peace for your past. And hundreds of years later, he comes along to go, I have promised through a savior named Jesus that I'm gonna give you peace for your past. I'm gonna reconcile even if I can't do away with it all together until heaven. And what really hangs in the balance of whether it's going to happen or not is what you label what I say. Are you going to lean in to what you see, to what you interpret, to what you feel? Or are you going to lean into what I have said and what I've declared? And are you going to embrace my labels over you and over what you're facing maybe from your past? And so God comes to Joshua and he's like, you got to take the people back and you've got to begin to rip off the old labels and identify with what I've said is true for decades. And so in Joshua chapter two, verse one, Joshua the warrior king, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim, or Shittim, depending on if it's a long eye or a short eye. Tomato, tomato. Go look over the land, especially Jericho. This is where we were at last week. You gotta go back and you gotta face it down. And for some of us, like we've done that. We've worked to apologize. We've worked to reconcile. We've worked to forgive. We've worked to go back and face the things that, that are giants in our mind. They're ghosts that have been haunting us for a while. But the issue is we're still carrying the label of that experience. And what happened has begun to look like who I am. And so he said, go back to Jericho. And so they went and they entered the house of, uh, what was her profession? The house, right, come on, are you serious? 1045, the house of a what? Come on, house of a what? House. Named Rahab, and they stayed there. Now just check this out for a second. Okay, so Rahab, you've maybe heard about her. She's a famous prostitute. Shows up in scripture, and this is like, this is her label. And at this point in her journey, this isn't like what she's done. This is who she is. That is Rahab the prostitute. And God sends his people on their way into the land and to recover and defeat the enemies and secure the promise that God's given them. They move into the land and one of their first stops is at the home of Rahab the prostitute. And, and, and she's got 
a label, and it is the most unexpected circumstance you can imagine. And, and this is the question that I wanna bring to the surface for you. And for a lot of you, nobody else is gonna know what you know in this moment, but what label are you living with? What label are you living with? And for a lot of you, you haven't answered the question that you've never admitted anybody, and it is affecting even your decisions and your behaviors, and nobody knows about it. Nobody can solve the issue or the problem for you, but you have allowed what has happened to become who you are. And even at Christmas, like we see a lot, about, a lot of that. You have an in-law that's criticizing your parenting. You've got somebody who likes to walk away and drink a little bit too much and and you're trying to work around some of this behavior stuff, or there's somebody who's super cynical that you don't really want to do dinner with, and, and it's a result of some labels that they're carrying. And it's not their past anymore. It's become their present. And it's starting to sabotage their future. Craig Groeschel makes this statement that I think is true. The longer you carry a label, the less it describes your past, and the more it starts to determine your future. And so she's got a label, and and it says the king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land because they are coming in. This is God's people and like, okay, we're, we're scared to death, but we're gonna believe God's promises and we're gonna try to take what God has promised us. And so they came to spy out the land in verse three. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, the prostitute. Bring out the men who came to you and they entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and she had, what'd she do? Hidden them. This is the one thing that Rahab was good at, hiding men. Seriously. Like, this is the one thing she knew how to do. You're showing up at my house. I know what you guys are here for. And um, she's, asked to, she's asked to do something and she's like, I know how to do that. I, like I've hidden men for a while. It's a part of my prayer. There's not a lot I could do. There's not a lot I could contribute, but I can do this. And I just say this to, to just make it clear to us. Like, do you know this? Do you know this? Like this is one of the things we just kind of skip over, but God will use even the things that you are ashamed of. Now, you don't know it yet, but God is about to do something with Rahab, the infamous prostitute. And so as the guys show up in, in her home, she's got nothing to offer, but she knows how to hide men. And I just wanna tell you, for some of you who are living with labels right now that you can't seem to get rid of, is that God can use even the things that you're ashamed of. When God says, I'm gonna work all things together for good, he means I will work all things together for good. And if you are willing to even bring me the stuff that's labeling you, that you are ashamed of, that you're trying to hide from, that has been your enemy year after year after year, I can do something with that. Bring me that pain. Bring me that failed marriage. Bring me that backstabbing. I know you'd never choose that. I'll use that. I know you've been trying to hide that. I'll use that. Bring me the addiction. Bring me the, the social anxiety. Bring me the mental illness. Like I've seen this in my wife. Like it, it's just almost like an invitation. Hey, all that stuff that, that you're afraid of, all that stuff you're so embarrassed by, all those crazy incidences and decisions and the mental illness that nobody wants to talk about. Hey, you just bring me that. Bring me that, I'll use that. I will work all things together for good to those who love me and called according to my purpose. I'll take a lying prostitute. I'll take what she is good at that normally you would stuff down and it is the place of her greatest shame and I will 
will use that to do something in history. The label from your past, man, it doesn't limit God from using you in the future. He'll take even what you're ashamed of. And you have to decide. And so she said, yes, the, 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 the men came, came to me. I don't know where they came from. And, and at dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. They're probably that way. Uh, you can go catch them. She's lying. So now she's a lying prostitute. And God's like, I'm gonna, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm, I'm gonna... I'm gonna take this lying prostitute and I'm gonna use her to help the nation of Israel defeat their enemies and I'm gonna use her to lead Israel into the promise of that land and I'm gonna use her to remind them of my greatness and who I am and who they are and nobody would have ever guessed it but God's like, I'm not saying that your label isn't true. She was a prostitute, she was a liar but I'm just saying your label, it doesn't limit me when you just decide to move in the direction to go what is true of what you say over me is bigger than what I say over me and I will use you right in that place to do things you couldn't even imagine. What label are you carrying? Can I just say this to the church? Wherever you're at, like God's gonna use who he dang well wants to use. And he's not gonna ask your opinion. He's not gonna ask whether you think he should use them. He's not gonna ask whether you think he should use you. He's not gonna ask whether you think that's how God works. He's not gonna ask whether you think they're ready. He's not gonna ask whether you think everything is in line. He's not gonna ask you what you think about what the reputation is gonna be with outsiders. He is just going to use whoever he wants to use. And the church needs to stop categorizing people. The church needs to stop holding people under a label and they're looking at what God is not what God is doing in the moment, but what they have done in the past. And God's going, this is exactly who I use. I want you to stop getting so focused on what they're coming out of and start focusing on what they're becoming because some of you, you're living with a label that somebody else placed over you, something that you have placed over you. And it is true, but it's not you. And God's going, if you will surrender that and you will trade in the labels, I will use you right where you are. If I can use a lying prostitute, I can use you. Like, I remember as a college sophomore, God coming to me in, in not an audible way, but speaking to me in very clear terms of what I felt like he had for the next season of my life and what his calling was for me. And I know it's different for different people, but for me, it was one of those things that was just really clear. It wasn't like, I, God, you know, he's more concerned about who you're with, which is him, rather than where you go. So it's not always about a place or a job or obsessing about God's will, but God had just really given me a clear vision about what he had. And I just lived under a label for a while. And I thought, I, I'm, too, I'm too insecure, I'm not enough. I've made some decisions that I think are, like of all the people as I look around that God could use, I don't think it's me. 
And I needed somebody to speak into my life and see what God was doing and not see the label that I had placed over me and remind me that you can never let anyone tell you that God can't. And maybe this is a message from Jesus through me to you today, and you're sitting in a place where you are debilitated by a label and it's keeping you from God's calling and it's causing you to hang out in a desert that God never designed for your life. And you are listening so much to the voices of a thousand people around you who have no idea what God wants to do with you. Do not let anyone tell you that God can't in your life. They are not the label maker. So she had taken them up to the roof in verse six and hidden them under the stalks and she laid out on the roof. She had done this before, verse seven. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. And before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, the, the lying prostitute, I love this, I know, I I know. Lying prostitute here talking to you. I know that the Lord has given you this land. Meaning, I have more faith in your God and I have more faith in his promises to you than you do. And I know that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of who? Because of you. In essence, Rahab's going, you've been circling in the desert for decades. You've been in the middle of nowhere, resisting the enemy, the giants, the ghosts that now represent your past because you are so terrified and the whole time we've been terrified of you. Because your faith has been in the fear of your enemies. And it's as if Rahab is saying to these guys in this moment, you've put faith in a label that doesn't agree with God's reality. You, you walked out of the land as spies going, there's no way, they're giants, the ghosts are too big, the, the task is too daunting, they're too big, and, and we're grasshoppers, we're too weak, we're too incapable, we're too outnumbered, the odds are too much against us, and you walked out and labeled yourself and labeled them and labeled your circumstance in such a way that literally was at odds with God's reality. And here he has been for decades going, would you guys come back and would you guys receive the promise of peace that I'm offering you? And you just been living under this label thinking this is who you are and it's not who you are. And the whole time you've been terrified of us and we've been terrified of you. Listen, you have an enemy that wants to steal and to kill and destroy your relationships, your life, your dreams, God's calling on your life. But I think the church needs to say this more often and give less credit to the enemy. The enemy has no power over the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and his calling is not trumped by the enemy coming to disrupt. And so you may be in a place right now where you won't deal with these things from your past, and you are so afraid, and you're so living under this this thing that's not just an event, now it's become who you are. And the whole time that you've been running and you've been living with the self-medication behaviors, the whole time your enemies are melting in fear and the enemy is looking at your life going, I hope they never wake up to who they are in Christ as loved, accepted, worthy, secure, with the power of the spirit of God inside of them, knowing that the chains of death, hell, and the grave have been removed and that they have a destiny and a calling and what they've done is not who they are. And the whole time, 
time you've been running, the enemy has been melting in fear. And so you've got to at some point believe that what God says is true. I'm going to go back. I'm going to trade in the label and I'm not going to live there any longer. And so we've heard how the Lord, verse 10, dried up the water of the Red Sea. And, and what happened when you came out of Egypt and what you did in Sion and Og and the two kings, the Amorites, east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. And when we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord, your God, and I love this, it's from the lying prostitute. The Lord your God is. And Rahab standing in front of these guys, chosen by God, destined to raise up a nation, overcome these enemies that's gonna birth the Messiah. And it's Rahab the prostitute that says, let me give you God's label. He's God in heaven above, and he's God in earth below. Why in the world are you guys so afraid? God's label, creator of the universe, creator of you, is the ruling and the reigning king. And the one who made you is the only one who has the authority to label you and to label your circumstances and to label what he's doing even when you don't feel it. And this is such a powerful thing. Like, it's why throughout the scriptures, you see God coming to people and be like, I'm gonna change your name. Say what? No, I'm God of the universe. I do what I want. I'm gonna change your name. Abram, you're not Abram, and you're gonna be Abraham. And, and Abraham, like, I, we never really highlight this part. We kind of love to romanticize our heroes. Abraham had some shady past, man. He, he, he lied about his wife. He almost offered her up to be taken by a king of another nation. I mean, he, he struggled to trust God, and, and God comes to him and says, I know um, some of what you've done. I know what you're gonna do. There's some still past in front of you that you haven't even gotten to yet, but I just want you to know you're not Abram any longer. You're gonna be Abraham. You're gonna be the father of nations because you are who I say you are. You're gonna birth a nation that's gonna raise up a Messiah and it's gonna take this good news to every corner of the globe multi-generationally. Father of nations is who you are. He comes to Peter and Peter is the guy that betrays Jesus to a 14-year-old girl or whatever her age was the night before he was crucified. Peter's the, the big mouth. He's like, I'm never gonna leave you or forsake you. The night of the crucifixion, he's dropping explicatives going, I don't, I don't even know him. And Jesus comes to him after the fact and says, Peter, I know, like Peter, you're the denier. I'm giving you a new name. I'm gonna call you the rock. And on that rock, I'm gonna build this movement called the church and it's gonna take my message of reconciliation to every person in every language across every socioeconomic status and you're gonna birth it. You're no longer Peter the denier, you're Peter the rock. I am the only one who gets to label you, your circumstances, what's happened to you, what's happening around you because I am the manufacturer of you. And it's not to say that what ha has happened isn't true. It's to say it is not you. You are not what you did. You are not what you feel. You're not what you say to yourself. You are not what other people say, say to you. You are not what you've experienced. You are not your struggle. And Jesus is like, I have a new name, a new label for you. And the moment you decide is the moment you're gonna start living in that reality. So here's what I want to tell you guys real quick this morning is you have to begin to speak out loud with your words what God says about you. 
Here's why this is huge, man. And this is gonna be a shift for some of you is because you serve a God or if you've ever placed your faith and trust in Jesus, you serve a God that at the very beginning, it says he spoke the galaxies into existence. However, whatever means he used to do that, at some level, he got it all started by speaking. It says that he went up against the wind and the waves in nature and he talked to them and they obeyed him. He would over and over again raise the dead with a what? With a word. That you serve a God who his words created authority and his words shaped the future. And now if you place your faith and trust in Christ, obviously to a different extent, but your words have the power to shape the future because of who your dad is. And it doesn't create the future, but when you have already been given a promise that this is your future, this is who you are, this is what I wanna do through you, when you start to speak it out loud, you begin to direct your life because your dad says your words have unbelievable power. That's why Solomon said, the tongue has the power of life and what? It brings things to life, you know this, and it kills stuff. It kills dreams, it kills the future, it kills marriages, it severs relationships, it kills your self-image of you. Your words and tongue have that kind of power. And so Solomon also said this, for as he thinketh, any, any person, any, individ, any individual, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Here's the reality, your mouth directs your mind. Your mouth directs, what you say to you, what, what you speak to you about, what you affirm that other people are saying to you, your mouth directs your mind. And so ultimately what you think, because your mouth directs your mind, what you speak is what you become and is what you believe. And so the starting place for you today is you need to begin to get to know who Jesus is, what he said about you, what he said about those enemies, how he described those ghosts, what he said about you, what he said about your circumstances. And you need to begin to speak those out loud because your words direct your mind and your mind directs your faith and it unleashes the power of God over what he said in your life. And so my question to you is this, are you gonna believe what you said about you? Are you gonna believe the labels that you have put over you? Are, are you going to make a decision to where your past does not control you, but it starts to inform you like, yeah, that did happen. Yeah, that is what took place. Yeah, that is what they did, but it's not who I am. And can I just tell you this real quick? Is that, have you ever thought about this? Rahab, who was ultimately used by God, Rahab was, was Israel's enemy, right? Like she was a part of the nation of Jericho. She was the part of the very people that all of the nation feared. And God used Rahab, the enemy of Israel, to remind Israel of who God was and who they were. Can I just tell you this real quick? I don't know if this is the case, but for a lot of you it is. Your ghosts that you're running from may be a gift. The enemies that you are petrified of, they may be a gift. And you'd never choose the betrayal. You'd never want to, to walk in the insecurity that's been handed down from you. You, you wouldn't want the addiction. You, you wouldn't want the brokenness. But those things, those ghosts may be a gift because it's the one thing that God's using to lead you to a place to remind you of who you are, that this brokenness isn't gonna define me. This is what God says about me. I'm loved, I'm accepted, I'm worthy, I'm secure in him. And he has given me the power to get outside of this and shape a new future. And 
if it wasn't for that enemy, if it wasn't for the ghost, if it wasn't for the giants, you maybe never would have been able to walk into the reality of who you are. And today you need to begin to label what you hate, what you despise, what you would never choose as something different. God is using this to show me who I am and to release his power for my future. And so I am relabeling what God says about me and I'm not gonna listen to my own voices about what I've been saying about me. Are you gonna believe what you say about you? Are you gonna believe what other people are saying about you? Yeah, like, again, you maybe know the story. They sent originally 12 spies into the land before they ever went in to conquer it. And this is, what, this is what caused them to wander in the desert for decades. The 12 spies came back and 10 of them had a report that they labeled their enemies and themselves and their circumstances at odds with what God had said. And they came back to go, there's no way. We're too small, they're too big. 83% of their enemies, or 83% of the spies who came out of the land surveying their enemies, 83% were dead wrong. What they saw was not what God said. And I think at least 83% of what we're telling ourselves is dead wrong. And I think 83% in a lot of cases of what has been spoken over you is dead wrong. And for some of you, it wasn't even a word. It's just, it was just a circumstance. It was just, it was a behavior. And in some cases, it was just a feeling, but you have allowed that to attach itself to you and to lead you to a place where, where what you are saying and what you're reaffirming is dead wrong. And you're one of the 10 spies hanging out in the desert. And he's like, this is not who you are. And your estimation of these circumstances is not correct. You've mislabeled the whole thing. And so you need to go back. You need to begin to reassess and you need to begin to look at me because the whole time you've been looking at you. You're not gonna figure you out and you're not gonna figure out your circumstances looking at you. You need to look at me and you need to go back and reevaluate and you need to begin to declare with your words to direct your mind and direct your faith that nobody has the authority to label you, that nobody has the authority to label your circumstances and nobody has the authority to label God for you. You don't know what God's gonna do and nobody can determine for you what God is gonna do and you need to begin today, even if it's a multi-generational, there's three dudes in your line that have all passed this along and you just feel like this is who we are, this is our history and Jesus walks into those circumstances to go, that is not who you are, that is not your circumstances, that is not your future, but you have been leading and living with the wrong label and you need to lose it and trade it in for something else and it's somewhere along the way. Rahab just got to the point where she's like, I'm not living with this label anymore. And you can call me Rahab the prostitute all you want. I'll take it. It happened. I made those decisions. I'm probably still making some of those decisions. I, 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 yeah, I, I was Rahab the prostitute. That defined what I did, but I am not gonna live under that label for the rest of my life. And it was Rahab that began to remind the nation of who they were. It was Rahab that literally led the charge in some ways for bringing Israel in and beginning to bring their, their enemies to their knees. It was Rahab that began to unfold the plan that God was gonna do something and usher them into the promise. And it was Rahab that started to knock down all the dominoes that eventually caused the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, to come through what happened and started in that moment. And Rahab, the prostitute, is like, call me what you want, but I am not a lying prostitute. I'm a matriarch. I am somebody who's creating an incredible future and helping the nation receive their destiny. And so you may define me by this, but I'm not defining me by this any longer. 
And it's all about where your faith is and where your trust is. It's a funny thing about Rahab, right? You know the story? When Paul comes along hundreds of years later and he, he starts to write like his list of goats, greatest of all time. I kind of felt like that was funny, but <laughs> I'm getting nothing from the 1045, so I'll try to wrap this up quick and get to the 1230. Um, I'm just telling, me, telling you, that's what you're giving me right now. Um, Paul writes the, the grand narrative, you know this, of the, the people that had this epic faith that launched a movement that would change the world. And he sits down, he's writing to these, these Hebrews in the first century, and he says, by faith, because it's all about faith, it's all about trust. Your words direct your mind that direct your faith, and where your faith goes, where your faith ends up identifying with a label, that's where, that's where either the power of God is gonna be unleashed or where the power of God is gonna be limited. And he sits down and says, by faith, the people... They passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, and, and when the Egyptians tried to do so, they drowned, and, and by faith, the walls of Jericho fell. And after the army had marched around them for seven days, and then, then Paul gets to this epic list of those with the most inspiring faith in all of history in such a way that shaped history, and he says, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies an act of faith, was not killed with those who are disobedient because she decided that's who I was, it's what I did, it's not who I am. And what more shall I say? Do you know, I don't have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David. David was the patriarch, David was the guy, David was the person that all of the prophecies hinge on. I don't have time to tell you about him, Samuel and, Pro and all the prophets, but I have time to tell you about Rahab the prostitute because you need to hear about Rahab the prostitute. The moment she was willing to place her faith and trust in me, everything changed. And if I will use a lying prostitute, I will use you and I've given you the invitation that you can lose your label if you are willing to identify with what I've said about you. And do you think she knew? I was thinking about this. Do you think she had any idea? Do you think she had any clue that when Matthew 1400 years later sits down and says, I wanna write to you about how all of these prophecies were fulfilled that started all the way back with Abraham and and even before that, to Noah and, and ultimately the promise to the nation of Israel that God was gonna lead them into a land and, and he was gonna give them that land, but it wasn't about the land, it was about a promise that, that the savior of the world was gonna be raised up through them if they would trust him. And then, and then the prophets wrote about it and they waited and Matthew sits down to write to all the Jewish people to go, it happened, but it didn't happen the way you think. And in Matthew one, he says, 1400 years later, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Like this, this is what we look over all the time because it's boring, we don't wanna read it, but God's like, this, this is who God used to usher in the promise. That the Messiah, the Son of David, the Son of Abraham, Abraham, who was the father of Isaac, and Isaac, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. In verse five, Salmon, the father of Boaz. And Matthew's writing this, and he's like, by the way, 
I don't even have to include this detail. You could follow the genealogy without it, but I wanna make sure I stop, I pause, and I highlight it. Whose mother was Rahab? Hey, just so you know, just so you know to get to the savior of the world, just so you know to get to the promise of what God said he was gonna do, it goes straight through a lying prostitute. Just so you know, if you ever doubt who and what I'm gonna use, the savior of the world and the fulfillment of the, prosti- the, the promise, it goes through a lying prostitute. And I love it because when Matthew gets to this place and he is writing and unfurling this incredible story, it's no longer Rahab the prostitute any longer. It's what James would say in the New Testament. It is Rahab the righteous. It is Rahab, who's one of the matriarchs, the grandmother, great, great, great grandmother of Jesus, who's gonna save the world. Are you kidding? She was invited into the story. It is Rahab, the one who has some of the most epic, inspiring faith that it would change the world. And who knew when those guys walked into that room and there's a prostitute there, she's a part of the enemies of God. And she decided, I know how you're looking at me, but I'm not looking at me that way any longer. I've heard enough about Yahweh to know that what he sees is not what I've been saying. And so I'm trading in my label and I'm not living with it any longer. And it doesn't mean that what happened isn't true, but it means I know God's label and God's label is he is the ruling and reigning king. And he is the only one who has the authority and right to tell me who I am, even when I don't agree with who he says I am. And so I'm trading it in. And I'm gonna start a declaration that's gonna start a redirection of my faith into what he says. And it's not that my words create reality. Reality has already been created. God says, this is what is true. You need to unleash what is true. You need to unleash his power. You need to begin to speak and allow your mouth to direct your mind, to direct your faith to go, I'm not trusting this label anymore. I'm not trusting you anymore. I'm not trusting these circumstances anymore. I'm redirecting my faith that says this, reality is Jesus went to a cross. He died and took the punishment for our sin. And he walked out of a grave alive and defeated death and defeated sin. And he says, if you'll place your faith and your trust in me and not what you can do or not what you can do to behave or not what you did or didn't do in the past, but solely trust in what I have done for you. I will take your sin. I will take your condemnation. I will take your shame. I will take your past. I can't rewrite all of the consequences, but I can give you a better future. And Colossians in Paul's language says this, that the moment you make that transfer of trust to go, I'm trusting what Jesus has done for me and not what I can do for myself. A transfer happens where he takes your sin, your label, and he gives you a new label that says, what you've done is no longer who you are. And Colossians says that now your life is hidden with Christ in God. Do you know what that means? Do you know what that means? It means that when your heavenly father, if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus, when he looks at you, he sees what nobody else sees. He sees what you have trouble believing. Your life is hidden under the label of not what you've done, but what Jesus has done for you. And that changes everything. And so you get the chance to decide whether you're gonna pick up that new label and lose the old one and understand who Jesus says you are 
but you could decide today and start speaking to yourself what is true and speaking it out loud and do whatever you got to do to remind yourself every single day. And I'm telling you, it will direct, it will direct your faith. It'll begin to reshape your view. It'll begin to recalculate what you're becoming and what you believe. And it all starts with Jesus. I'm just going to begin, even though I don't feel it, I'm going to begin to affirm, to speak and to trust what you say about me and say about my circumstances. Cause I've been living like I'm just dysfunctional. It's who I am. And I've been living like I, I can't get any, I can't get any rest from my past. And I've been living like I'm not enough. And today I need to tell myself I'm a child of God. I need to tell myself I'm a son and daughter of the King. Today, I need to tell myself that I have a divine destiny that is not canceled out because of what happened in the past. And today I need to declare to myself that I'm righteous. What if you declared that over you right now in the midst of your crap? That I know, yeah, this is what, what, what is true is I'm dysfunctional right now, but what is true is not who I am. And I am hidden with Christ in God if I've placed my faith and trust in him. So what if right now in the middle of, I don't know if I can resist clicking on that again when I go home later today, I am declared righteous. My label is what I am struggling with right now is not who I am, I'm redeemed, I'm forgiven. I'm not living under what three generations of us have done. I'm, I'm breaking those chains. I am redeemed and I am free from the power of sin and death and condemnation. And I am full of the power of God inside of me. And I am at a place where I am free from the chains of my past. And I'm not gonna be afraid any longer because there's a bigger reality and a bigger God that trumps the enemies I've been afraid of. They're melting in fear, hoping that I don't realize that. And so today I'm living with a new label. I'm gonna speak that new label. I'm gonna shout that new label. I'm gonna write that new label on my mirror. I'm gonna remember my th that label. I'm gonna affirm that label. I'm gonna speak that label. And I am going to begin to affirm what God says about me and who God says I am. And that's who God says I am, that I am purpose intended. I am lavishly loved. I'm a son and daughter of the creator of the universe. And my past will not define me any longer. My current struggle will not define find me any longer. I am stepping into who I am and I am trading the old label and I am affirming the new label. And if God can redeem and use Rahab, the lying prostitute to change history, he can use me. And I'm believing that today. Church, can we just make this a place that makes it easy for people to lose the labels? I'm gonna try to not get angry preacher and I gotta be done. But one thing that you see throughout the scriptures that evokes the, and we don't see him this way a lot, but the anger of God was self-righteousness. In fact, if you wanna know, if you got all these lists of sins that you're piling up going, does this sin keep me from heaven? Does this sin keep me from heaven? Does this sin keep me from heaven? The answer simply really is no, there's only one sin. It's the sin of self-righteousness. See, cause that's the sin that is really the root of our resisting God in the first place. That I don't need you, that I can figure this out on my own and I'm not gonna bow my knee to you to place my faith and trust in you. It's the root of every single sin. 
And as a church, we just need to really get comfortable with creating a place that makes it really easy for people to lose the label. And I, 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 sometimes I have so much angst over not us. You guys are doing incredible things here where I think you are making it easier than most places. And it's why God is doing so much in our city and among thousands of listeners in different places. But, but let's make it easy, man, where we stop this incessant need to categorize people. And we stop this incessant need to be able to constantly tell them what God's gonna do and not do in their life. And we're, we are constantly obsessed with trying to, trying to finesse or find our way to get them out of whatever they're coming out of or whatever they're struggling with. And, and yeah, we should help people struggle through sin. It's why you need to get a community group. It's why you need to serve somewhere. It's why you should go sign up today, not because of what it does just for other people, what it's gonna do in you. You need community and you need the body of Christ or you will never last. I just wanna tell you, you'll flame out. You need people to constantly remind you of who you are in the darkest moments, but, but let's stop being so obsessed with trying to control and manipulate somebody's behavior. And there's some people in your life, maybe this Christmas, and they need not to hear from you what they're coming out of. They need to hear from you what they're becoming. And they need you to make it really, really easy to lose the label. Hey, I know you're still struggling with this and I hurt for you because it's hurting other people. And this behavior may be a big deal, but I just want to let you know that is not who you are and what you have done and what you're struggling with in the moment. It's not who you're becoming. And you can throw that label off. You can serve somewhere within the body of Christ. And we're not going to categorize you. We're not going to keep you under the stiff arm of that label. We're here as the church, which means we represent Jesus, which means we're going to do everything we can to just push people to their new label and their new identity of Christ. And I'm telling you, when they begin to believe it, it's going to change what they do, but they have to know first who they are. And so let's be that kind of church. The labels of sin are secondary. Who we are in Jesus is the foundation of our church. And so as we conclude, you can stand with me. For some of you, that makes you nervous. I get it. We got people serving in places you would, it makes you so nervous. And we use wisdom and discretion and all those things, but we're gonna deal with the messiness of helping people who are on a journey. And, and this is kind of, this is too blunt. This is my goal for us as a church that, that either the self-righteous leave or they're brought to their knees to repent that we need a savior and you are no better. You're just forgiven. And here's the thing for some of you, and I, I'm gonna end with this. The thing about the nation of Israel is they were in slavery so long that they could get out of Egypt, but Egypt couldn't really get out of them. And so they viewed everything through the mindset and the label of a slave. And, and it just took a while to realize we're not what we did. We're not what happened. And we're not the 400 years of slavery that we lived under. We're free. And we begin to promise and we serve the promise keeper and he's gonna make it happen. And for some of you, you've been in slavery to a label for so long, it's hard for you to identify with the reality that you're free. You don't have to live there any longer and you don't have to live under it any longer. And by the power of the spirit of God, because I can't do this for you and I wish I could, 
I'm praying that in this moment, Jesus would begin to obliterate and cause the labels to fall off and lead you to start a journey right now in this moment where you'd begin to pick up a new label and agree with what he says about you. And for some of you, it really needs to start in this moment. So all over the house, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? And for some of you, this is not something that you ever retire from. From now until the end of your journey with Jesus, until you reunite in heaven, it, it really needs to be an everyday process of figuring out a way to redirect my faith and to speak what is true and live within the labels that God has given me, not even just for me, but for my circumstances. And so if you need to begin the process right now, I am loved, I'm accepted, I'm worthy. If I've placed my faith and trust in Christ, I am I'm a son and a daughter of God. I'm lavishly loved. And my enemies, I may not feel it right now, but my enemies are melting in fear because we're not waiting for the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace is already here. The ruler and reigner is ruling and reigning over all things. And the enemies and the ghosts of your past do not stand a chance the moment you begin to trust and agree with what God says about them and about you. And so if, if you need to begin the journey right now, would you just lift up your hand to say, there, there's a circumstance. It's maybe me. It's maybe what's happening to me, what did happen to me. It may be what other people have caused me to label myself as, but right now I need to begin the journey that I'm gonna redirect my faith and it starts right here. Lift up your hand if that's you in the house. And it just needs to start in this moment. Lift up your hand. I'm carrying some kind of labels that I need to let go. And I wanna to begin to redirect my faith. Lift up your hand right now in this moment, if that's you. I'll give you a minute to allow that nudge to move you into a physical action. Because sometimes it's just that, even though nobody's looking around, that just the fact that you would express it is an invitation for God to begin to work through it. Jesus, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for the for the few people here who are admitting what honestly is true for hundreds. And so I pray for the others that can't even admit to themselves right now that, that there's some work that you wanna do in their heart that, that you'd lead them to that place even in the coming hours and days and that you would free up a whole lot of people. And, and I pray for those right now who just recognize with uplifted hand, that's me. And God, I need you. I need to believe what you say and not what I see. And right now I'm gonna begin the journey of throwing off this old label and identifying with a new label. And I'm gonna believe that even now, like Rahab, like we, we may still be in the midst of the stuff that you could start to use us now. And as we understand who we are, it'll start to change what we do. And so move in us right now when we pray all of this in the name of the ruling and reigning King who has come to earth. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this message, would you do us a favor and rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher? You can actually now listen to us on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Basically, this just helps us get the message of Jesus out to more people. And the other thing I would say is, we would love for you to join us at one of our gatherings. One of the things we work really hard at is to create a safe place for people to be able to ask questions, to be able to investigate and grow in their faith if they're longtime followers of Jesus. And one of the things that we say a lot is regardless of what background you're coming from, you can belong here before you believe. And so if you want more information about our church, our location, service times, just go to our website at centerpointfl.org.